Good to see you tonight. Let me say just a little bit about what we're doing tonight and, and uh, give a little bit of explanation. Well, we are having a building community night, and it's going to be a great evening. And I like to remind us congregationally why we have these evenings uh, and have activities like this throughout the year. If you're not intentional about building community, community is not built on a congregational scale. That is, you basically build community with just a small group of people, and you never get the opportunity to engage other people, get to know other people. And so with great intentionality, we think through these building community nights, and we like to include ice cream as much as we can, but... Uh, there's a purpose behind it, and we're to love one another, we're to serve one another, we're to build one another up in the faith, and, and so these building community nights are an opportunity for us to do that, and, and they're most enhanced when you look for people that you may not know, and you spend some time getting to know those people, and, and you'll find that uh, these can be very, very good, productive evenings if you will, if you will do that. The second thing we're going to, uh, to mention to you and that we're going to do in just a few minutes, we're going to bring a recommendation from our, from our deacons that we set aside three men in our congregation to be deacon emeritus or deacon emeriti. And the reason that we're, that we're doing this is we should have done it in the past with other men. And those men uh, that... They, uh, they died and went on to be with the Lord and they, had a le they left behind and have left behind a great legacy. They are men that gave a good part of their Christian life to the service of this church and, and we don't want opportunities like that to, to pass by anymore. And in just three minute, three, a few minutes, I'll introduce you to these, uh, to these three men and tell you uh, a little bit about them. Together, they have about 150 years of service as, as deacons. Not all at this church, at other churches, but a good portion of that time here at this church. And then the third thing we will do is we will set aside one man tonight, Paul Cook, to the diaconate. Typically, we don't have an ordination council on the day that we have an ordination service, so we didn't announce that this morning because there was still a council that needed to take place. And uh, Paul was 10 years of age when he, when he came to this church. Over the last uh, almost 18 years or so, he was already saved when he came here. Went through our children's ministry, he went through our youth ministry, he went through our collegiate ministry, he taught in our youth ministry, he is a director of an adult BFG, he met his wife here, and he has a baby in the preschool, which is very, very important to his mother and I. And so we'll say a little bit more about that uh, in just a moment. But first, I'm going to ask the chairman of our deacons to come forward, Scott Moyes, and he's going to bring two recommendations. We'll vote on these recommendations individually. The first recommendation coming from the deacon body is that we congregationally affirm that Chandler Catron and that, come on up, brother, I'm doing, I'm doing it for you, I think. Chandler Catron, Herb Searles, and Bob Golden be named as, as, uh, as Deacon Emeriti. And so would you uh, just repeat what I've just said in your own words? He really saved me a lot of, lot of time and effort. Um, so one, because it does come from the deacon body, it does not require a second. Um, I just want to say one 
um, from the deacon body that we are so thankful to have men in the church like Bob Golden, Herb Searles, and Chandler Catron because they are doing what men are supposed to do biblically. And so with that being said, at this time, all those in favor of electing them to deacon emeriti, say aye. Aye. All of those opposed? Seeing none, I believe the motion passes. All right, very good. And if you'd like to bring the recommendation the, from the deacons about Paul. Right. So also likewise with Paul, uh, this is the first time in my tenure as a deacon that I've, I've just seen that one person go through deacon ordination. Um, so that can be a very um, daunting and nerve-wracking time. I know just myself when I went through that council, I had two other men to kind of answer some of those very difficult questions. Uh, Paul filled out a very thorough survey of which we were very well pleased with his answers, his survey as well. So with that being said, I have no, um, no qualms in, in uh, nominating him in our ordination today. Um, again, because it comes from the deacon body, no second is necessary. So all those in favor say aye. All of those opposed? Seeing none, I believe the motion passes. All right, thank you very much, brother. I appreciate that. You know, the process that we go through is that at, uh, later in this year, we take nominations, and we look for these nominations to come from a perspective uh, and a broad perspective of the church so that, so that a person who's being nominated for deacon has the respect and the, uh, has the respect of a, of a portion, a significant portion of our congregation from various age groups. And the men that, uh, that are nominated and, and have that kind of support are then looked at a little bit more closely by, by uh, Pastor Jeff and by our deacon chairman, Scott Moyes, right now. And uh, if both of those men, in, in uh, coherence with congregational support, feel very strongly that they know this individual, they know this, uh, they know this man, that there's nothing in him that ought to concern us because sometimes we as pastors know that people are struggling in their life and there are certain difficulties in their life that that might not make right now the best time for them to be a, to be a deacon. They then fill out a, 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 a theological uh, survey and uh, and so that's what brings us to this point tonight with with Paul. Before I give a charge to Paul and we set him aside officially and formally tonight as a deacon here at Ninth and O Baptist Church, I want to tell you about uh, the three men that have been voted on by you to be deacon emeriti. And, and when I mention them, I'm going to ask them if they will come down and bring their wives with them. We're, we've uh, ordained the husband, not the wife. But as you'll see in my comments a little bit later to Paul, we will not ask a man to be a deacon in our congregation that we don't have absolute confidence in the spirituality of, of his wife. And so I'm gonna ask Chandler Catron if he would come on down and we're gonna have you stand here at the front. It's Chandler, I have, there you are. Thank you very much, Chandler. And Gene, come on down and Pastor Jeff, come on up and bring the, bring the three uh, plaques that we, uh, that we have, if you don't mind. And, and, I want to tell you a, a little bit about this dear couple. Uh, they were members here already when I came. Come on and stand here in the front for just a moment. Then we'll let you, uh, we'll let you sit down. Chandler is retired from, uh, from the Greyhound bus uh, company. Just stand, come right here in the front. I want them to get a good look at an at a exemplary couple. 
And right there's good, thank you very much, sir. And I was immediately impressed with them for a number of reasons. One is their faithfulness to the church. If the church was gathering, the Catrons were here. And, and at that time, they were very, very uh, active already in our, uh, in our senior adult ministry and were leaders in that ministry. And people looked to them for leadership. And people in our congregation looked to them for leadership. And they, they demonstrated such a profound and deep love for one another that uh, it, it was a challenge to me as their pastor to, to love my wife the way that I saw Chandler loving Gene. But I think beyond the service, and he's been an exemplary deacon, I mean the, the Catrons have been nothing but of the greatest support to our ministerial staff. Our ministerial staff has nothing but the greatest of admiration for them, and we always feel that they are behind us, encouraging us on. Is when Chandler and I were just in casual conversation, and it wasn't anything that he that he intended to say. It's the kind of life that actually kind of slips out. And he described to me how every morning he and Jean would read their Sunday school lesson in Bible together at the kitchen at the kitchen table while they, while they drank coffee. First, I was impressed that he drank coffee. Secondly, that's a pretty fantastic testimony for a couple. And so, Pastor Jeff, if you would present to Chandler, and then Chandler, we're just gonna ask you and Gene to sit here for just a, a moment. Wait, wait just a second here. And um, thank you. We'll, we'll have you sit right, right down over here to the side because we're gonna bring you up and in just a moment, in just a few minutes, Pastor Jeff's going to pray for all of you. So just right, right on over here. Be fine. Thank you very much, sir. And so, uh, what a very, very special, uh, special couple. I'm going to ask Bob Golden if Bob would, uh, Bob would come down. Bob, come on down. And I want to tell you a little bit about uh, Bob Golden. Bob and his wife, Carol. Uh, were two of the most welcoming people when Jalen and I joined this, uh, joined this church. And we spent many meals uh, going out after church with the Goldens. Bob and Carol are two of the most wonderful people in the world. Carol has Alzheimer's disease now. And uh, it, was, it was painful for us congregationally and, and especially painful for Bob as we saw that disease debilitating her more and more. And, and now uh, Carol's not able to, uh, to, leave, uh, to leave the home. It may be that you don't even know Bob. If you've joined this, this church in the last couple of years, you may not know Bob Golden. Let me tell you, Bob Golden is a hero to me. I watched this man lovingly care for his wife. And to come to church faithfully once a month when, when his daughter comes and sits with, with Carol, that is what a real man is like. I hope, I hope to be able to love my wife till the end of our days the way that Bob has, has loved Carol. And I tell you, Bob and Carol have, were just like Chandler and Jean. I... I myself and our church staff would say they were they've been great cheerleaders they've been great cheerleaders for us Bob how long have you been a member at this church uh, approximately 
about 1980. And even before that uh, coming here, Bob was a deacon. So since 1980, that means that Bob has seen our church go through very good, wonderful days and some pretty difficult days. He's seen us when we're strong and he's seen us a little bit when, we're, uh, when we were a little bit weak. And I tell you, Bob and Carol Golden have demonstrated what it means to plant your life in a church and to serve that church. And as a deacon, he's been an exemplary example. Any, any young man looking for an example, what does it mean uh, to grow older in the Lord? I won't say old, older in the Lord. Look at Bob Golden. He's that kind of man. And so, Pastor Jeff, where are you at, brother? There you are. Thank you. Would you, if you would give that to Bob and Bob, if you wouldn't mind sitting over there by Chandler for just a moment for me, in a moment we'll ask you to come back, uh, come back up here with them, and I'm going to ask Pastor Jeff to lead us in a, in a, uh, in a prayer. I'm going to ask Herb and Martha Searles to come down. When you've got uh, Herb and Martha, it's like Bill and Jay Lynn. Usually you say Jay Lynn and Bill, Renee and Jeff. You know, that's just the way it is. It's usually Martha and Herb. And... Uh, I can't, I can't tell you, Martha probably could. Martha, how many people did you have in your home over the course of a number of years for breakfast, during, for new members' breakfast after I became pastor? Yes. For over 1,400, including the children. Herb washed almost all of those dishes. What Herb didn't wash, Bob washed, and Ken Kimsey cooked the eggs. And so it was a, it was a magnificent, a magnificent effort. Herb, tell me what year you joined this church. You joined in 1944. Do you remember when you became a deacon? In 1958. 59 years. I was born in 1958. <laughs> you're not 60 yet. As my wife continually reminds me, but you're almost at 60, 60 years. And I tell you the admiration that the men in this congregation have who know Herb Searles is, is phenomenal. He is a man beyond reproach. He's a man that since 1944, is that right? Did you say 19, since 1944, he has been a part of this church. You get people nowadays, I don't like the way they stripe the parking lot, I'll find a new church. Oh my goodness, the pastor's got white on the bottom of his shoes, I think I'll find a new church. We've restriped the parking lot and I've started wearing shoes with white soles on it and he's still a member of this church. <laughs> Since 1944, he planted his life in this church. I can remember a number of years ago, a man telling me, I want to be like Herb Searles. I want to give my life to this church and, uh, and to, to one day look back and say, I've raised my family and spent my life in this church. And over the tiniest of things, he, he went, to another, went to another church. You can't be committed to a church and not know that there's going to be highs and lows and ups and downs. And, and Martha and Herb, and, and Herb as a deacon in our church, has exemplified uh, what it means. I, I hope my son, Paul, who is going to be ordained tonight as a deacon, will be the kind of man that Chandler Catron and Bob Golden and, and Herb Searles are. Uh, Pastor Jeff, if you would give them this plaque. And then I'm going to ask you 
guys, to come on back up here to the front right here, and we're going to ask you to turn toward the congregation uh, here. Martha and Herb right here, sir. Now, what does it mean to be a deacon emerita? It means you double your tithe. That's the first thing. <laughs> we didn't tell him that before we voted on him. The second thing that it, that it means that as long as these men are alive and as long as these men are members of this church, they will never be voted on as deacon. They will serve at their pleasure. They will serve as they're able and, and when they're able. And, uh, and if that's not, um, not something that uh, at certain seasons because of health they're able to do, uh, they will remain a valuable part of our deacon group. I'm going to ask my wife to come and stand with, with uh, Mr. Bob Golding. Oh, is Susan here? Come, Susan. I'm sorry, Susan. I can't. This is Susan. I'm sorry. Thank you, Susan. Susan is Bob's daughter. Susan helps care for her mother. She lives next door. And uh, Susan is a jewel. And I think she inherited it from her mom. And so, Jeff, would you pray for us, brother? Let's pray together. Father, we love these men and their wives because they love you they love the gospel and they love this church called Ninth and Old Baptist they love it for it's good and they love it in spite of it's bad because they've committed themselves to you in this place and father I thank you for their faithfulness I thank you father that they challenge me personally as we often look around in Christianity today and see people who have fallen morally, men who preach the gospel, it's so easy to become cynical at times. And yet when we look at men like Herb and Bob and Chandler, we are reminded that the gospel of Christ changes lives. And while these men are not perfect, these are good, godly men who love you and who love others. I thank you for their wives, Father, that have served with them faithfully over so many decades. And we recognize that they would not be the men that they are today were it not for the ladies in their lives. I thank you for them. And Father, I pray that you would give them more years of good service. And that, Father, we as a congregation would honor those who have gone before us and who have demonstrated faithfulness. May we look to these men and women as, as leaders within your body and as an example to us to not grow weary in well-doing. I thank you, Father, for them, and I pray your blessings on them. In Jesus' name, amen. And can we show our appreciation? Thank you very much. I can remember at a deacon ordination council a number of years ago, Bob Golden was the chairman of our deacons. Toby Jennings was being ordained as a deacon. Toby was finishing up a PhD at Southern Seminary in systematic theology. Dr. Steve Wellen was his professor. And 
At the end of the questions of Toby, Toby asked, could someone describe to me the role of a deacon here at Ninth and O Baptist Church? And Bob is the chairman, said, Toby, we are not a policy-making body. We are a, serv- we are a group of servant leaders in this church, and our deacons are exactly that. They are, they are servant leaders. We have pastors, elders, overseers, shepherds. That, that, uh, that's one body, our, our pastoral staff. And then we have our deacon body. And yet our deacons serve in some of the most substantial ways in the life of our church. The chairman of our finance team is a deacon. The chairman of our, of our personnel team is, is a deacon. Many of our deacons serve as, as BFG directors and, and leaders. And so our deacons are a servant body, but we see them as men of great wisdom. And it's not unusual for us as a, a ministerial staff or as, as a, the church elders and pastors to bring to them the things that we're thinking and looking at and praying about and gaining wisdom and insight insight from them because we genuinely believe that uh, some of the best men in our congregation are our, are our deacons. Well, Paul, your mother and I are very, very proud of you and, and I want to bring you a charge uh, tonight, I want to read to you a passage of scripture and then make some comments about it. It's 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through, through 13. Deacons, likewise, must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fi- fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons... I'm sorry, let me read that again. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So Paul, the honor that this congregation is bestowing on you tonight isn't an honor that we hope that you will begin to reach these, these great qualities that are listed here, but this congregation believes that you already exhibit these qualities. I want to go through them and and just make a comment or two about them. It says deacons must be men of dignity. That means men that carry themselves in in an appropriate kind of way. Men who treat their wives well in public and in private. Men who know that there are some things that are too holy to make jokes about and there are other things that are too dirty to make jokes about. This congregation believes you to be a man of, a man of dignity, not, not double-tongued, a man that's honest and forthright and, and, um, and doesn't equivocate on his, on his word. And, and we believe you to be that kind of, that kind of man. A man not addicted to much to much wine and, and believers have different ideas about what that means and what he's talking about here obviously is, is to be 
a drunkard or addicted to wine. You know my own personal feelings, being raised in my home, uh, having, uh, having grown up with me, knowing that my, my father was an alcoholic, my grandfather, his father was an alcoholic, that my mother's father was an alcoholic, that my mother's grandfather was an alcoholic. I think, I think people ought to think very seriously about wine. And so, while I would never say that the Bible says that Christians can never drink, I'm not sure it's the wisest of things. Not fond of sordid gain, which means that you're a generous person, uh, that you're willing to give to the church and you're willing to give to the kingdom. And we believe that to be true of you. Holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And that is, Jeff read your um, questionnaire very closely. Scott read it very closely. I wasn't up in the questioning having recused myself, but Scott said you did an exceptionally well, a good job articulating what you believe about certain truths. You, you did it exceptionally well in the questionnaire. Most churches just ordain men regardless of what they believe or uncertain of what they believe. We know exactly what you believe. Jeff said your handwriting could have been a little clearer. Other than that, he was able to use his thesaurus and work his way through, uh, through the, the answers, and you did an exceptionally, exceptionally good job. So says you must be tested, and Paul, you have been tested. This congregation has watched you since you were 10 years old. When you came here, you didn't have a whole bunch of hair on your face. You were in the children's ministry. You went through the youth ministry. You graduated from the youth ministry, went to Boys College, and became very active in our youth ministry. You're the director of a Bible fellowship group. People know you, they've watched you, they hear you pray, you've been tested and found fit, not just theologically, but also morally and, and spiritually. It says, let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. And there's not a single one of us in this congregation, Paul, that are sinless and don't have areas of sin that we are constantly dealing with. Uh, but we believe you as a congregation to be a man that is serious about personal holiness and that, and that you are beyond reproach in that regard. Verse 11 is a difficult verse. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, be temperate, faithful in all things. Because there are a lot of evangelical churches and a lot of good gospel preachers that believe in, in women deacons. John MacArthur, nobody's ever accused him of being a liberal, has lady deacons in their church because they believe that it is strictly a servant role and it's a servant role that this verse here in particular, John MacArthur would argue, and other men equally conservative, John MacArthur equally skilled as John MacArthur in interpreting scripture, believe that it opens, not just opens the door, but it, but it encourages women to be deaconesses. I don't hold that, that opinion. I think that what he's talking about here is he's talking about the wife of a deacon. I think that what he's saying is, as we think about ordaining you to the diaconate, we also have to think about Laura. Just as we extol the virtues of, 
of Jean and Carol and Martha, when you ordain a man to the diaconate, his wife has to be of a suitable character and spirituality. And so, in order that we don't think that a person's life can be segmented, fragmented, where you've got a man that's ordained to the diaconate, but his wife can be only loosely connected to the church, only loosely involved in the church, that's not a possibility. We always take into consideration a man's wife. And so, well, by ordaining you, we are affirming Laura as a dignified young lady who is definitely not a malicious gossip and is temperate and faithful in all things. And we've watched Laura. We've watched her come here to college. We watched her work three jobs as she was putting herself through college. And we watched her uh, work with our youth and sing on our, sing on our praise team and, and uh, is now a faithful, a faithful mother. And so we believe verse 11 to talk about the wife of a deacon. And he says, deacons must be husbands of only one wife. This is a very contentious issue. I've held one position on this issue in my entire ministerial career. My entire ministerial career, I have not believed that this verse talks about divorce. If it talked about divorce and it meant divorce, he would have used the word that the Bible has for divorce. But he does not. I don't know any New Testament scholar that believes verse 12 to be a reference to deacons never having been divorced. It's the tradition of the church. It's the tradition of, of many churches. But I determined long ago I could care less about what tradition means if Scripture doesn't affirm it. And so what it's saying is that not, it is not saying that you have to be married. Deacons must be the husband of only one wife. If that's the case, then a, a deacon had to be married. Just as it says the manager of their children well, then they'd have to have children. So if this verse means you have to be the husband of one wife and you've got to be married, then single men could not be deacons. We don't believe that as a, a church and I don't believe that's what it's, what it's teaching. When it says the husband of only one wife, it means to be a one-woman man. We know you to be a, a one-woman man. There's only one girl you've ever really dated, and you married her. And there's not anybody that knows you that would ever doubt that there's any other woman in your life like the relationship you have with Laura. To be a one-woman man is to is to, to say that, for example, that there's only one woman in Jeff Eliff's life. There's only one woman godly enough that would have had him. And there's, no, there's absolutely no doubt who that woman is. There's no doubt in anyone's mind who knows me that there's only one woman in my life, and we believe that about you. We're affirming that about you. It's not saying that you have to be married, but you are married, and this woman is the only woman in your life. That's what that verse means. It does not mean that a divorced man cannot be a deacon. It simply does not. And 
good manager of their children and their own households. Well, I've already mentioned that it does not mean that a that a, a deacon has to have children or a deacon even has to have married, uh, be married. But if he is married, he's got to be a one-woman man. And if he has children, he needs to be a good father and a good husband and be a man that's invested in his, in his home. And we, we believe that about you. We're very proud of you as your parents, watching you become a, a husband and now a, and now a father. And this congregation has watched you. And we affirm that you are a man that is committed to your family. Ministers that fall and deacons that fall fall first in their relationship to the Lord and second in relationship to their family. And that's the way that these things usually work. So we believe you to be a man committed to your family. And then in verse 13, for those who have served well as deacons, and we've looked at three, three of these men tonight, I, we could go around and I could point out all of the deacons in our church and I could not be any happier than I am with every single one of them. Many churches you can't say that in. I've been in the leadership in churches where I, I couldn't say that. I, I don't know, I don't want to say there's never been a time in this church. It's been a long time since I could not say there's not a single deacon in our diaconate that I'm not very proud to be a deacon in our church. And so when a person is served well, they obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence. And that's what we were doing tonight, recognizing these three men and their contributions to us congregationally. And Paul, that's, that's what's ahead for you. One day you want to be able to stand before a congregation and a congregation recognize you as having been a faithful, humble servant of God. And we would not ordain you tonight if we did not believe that that was going to be, that was going to be the case. And so Paul, I would say a couple of things. Personally, you're a young man and you've got good older men to learn from about what it means to be a faithful deacon learn from them be open and be teachable and be teachable we know that you are and learn from these uh from these dear brothers paul i'm going to ask you to come and to 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 kneel on this first step right here if i was mad at you i'd have you kneel on the concrete floor but uh, i'm not i'm going to ask all of our deacons to come forward at this time i'm going to ask all of our deacons to come forward at this time and if you're, and in fact, let me ask this, if you are an ordained man in our church, you may not be a deacon, but you are an ordained man in our church, uh, we would invite you to come forward at this time. And we're going to gather around Paul, we're going to lay hands on him, and it is, is our pattern. Uh, we're going to have a, a moment of silent prayer, so what we'd like all of you to do is these men, you can come, some of you all come on around the front here and, and, uh, and do that, we'd appreciate that. And then Scott uh, Moyes is going to lead us in a, in a congregational prayer of ordination in, in just a moment. But just give us a moment or two as a congregation and as these men privately in their hearts. Focus your mind on Paul, the task ahead, the call on his life to serve this congregation. Pray for him and then Scott will lead us in a, in a congregational prayer in just a moment. Father, I want to thank you first for 
the local body here at Ninth and O for such a healthy biblical look at what it means to be a deacon. So it helps us today to celebrate. Celebrate because we're not asking Paul and his family to do more, but rather we celebrate the service and the years of faithful and thought-out sacrifice that he has made to make your church successful, to make your church what you meant it to be. So, Father, we pray for Paul and Laura and Lila. We pray for their health. We pray for their safety. We pray for Lila's salvation, that it would come soon, that only at five months old, um, it's not too early to begin to pray that she would come to know the Lord at an early age. Father, we know that Satan looks to strike those who are in leadership. He looks to strike the shepherd to scatter the sheep. Lord, we pray that you would, you would protect his family, you would protect him from sinful desires, and sin would be the last thing in his life that, Lord, he would look to serve you and serve this body as he's done time after time, Lord. Father, we thank you for, um, for Laura and a wonderful wife, that she would be a great helpmate to him, that in times of distress she would encourage him and lift him up and continue to push him to serve and to love you and to love this church body. So, Father, we continue to pray for Paul as he grows his family, Lord, that um, they would be engaged in the life of this church. And the, much like the three men that, that we just honored tonight, that we can see 40, 50, 60 years from now, a man like Paul standing up front. So, Lord, we just thank you for the men uh, that we honor tonight who have made this night possible, who have fought the good fight, who have ran, who have run the race. Father, we thank you because we have stood on the shoulders of giants. And again, Father, we just thank you for Paul and everything that he has done and will do. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen.